Mary Meadow podcast. I am your host, Liz Fiddler, and today I have a guest with me. Jenny, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I am Jenny Beck. I am the owner of Green Goddess Floral, which is a event-based floral studio in Minneapolis. I also am a urban flower farmer. I have like a lot of dahlias and things that I use in my wedding work that I grow. And then I also have a florist-based podcast called the Floral Hustle Podcast, where we talk all things, you know, how to scale your business, how to do things from fulfillment, like designs that you love, and how to make this all easier. Yeah, so I found Jenny, actually my friend Taylor, who buys flowers from me, uh, Taylor of Wild Time Floral, if you're listening, I know she listens pretty much every week, but mm-hmm. I had asked her if she had any ideas for um, any sort of floral design workshop, and not that I really, I mean, when I told Jenny this, I think her jaw kind of dropped, I'm like, I don't really like floral design, and she's like, what? what? <laughs> and I'm like, it's not my thing, I like growing the flowers, I like selling flowers to people that love to do it, I do love making people happy, and I, I like the design work, it's just my lifestyle and my family schedule it's just not something I really want to dig deep in because Jenny doesn't know me that well yet but I can't half-ass anything like I'm not Mm -hmm. capable of it so like I knew if I did this like oh I'd be like making the archways and like there'd be no halfway and so for me and my flower farm like we're getting into doing you know, bridal and bridesmaid bouquets and boutonnieres and corsages and that type of thing when they've got their ideas for centerpieces already. And a lot smaller scale wedding is actually my target client is the laid back bride and probably the opposite of the clients you're trying to attack, you are trying to attract. And so I think, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to talk about like a floral design update. And um, there's a lot of, a lot of my listeners are, people that are growing their own flowers and maybe they're hobby growers. A lot of listeners, I, I get, I hear from people, they're like, I'm never going to have a cut flower business, but I want to grow the flowers for my daughter's wedding next summer. And this was trial year. And next year I want to grow them. And they're pretty laid back about what they're going to look like, but they're just trying to learn. Or there are a lot of flower farmers that try to sell wholesale to florists. Um, And I think I learned a lot. I had no idea what a studio florist was Mm -hmm. when I first started this business a couple years ago. And now I'm, you know, those are the ones I kind of want to to attract because they're the ones that are attracting the brides that will pay the premium for the dahlias, the lisianthus, the ranunculus, whereas a traditional florist, you know, the eucalyptus, the baby's breath, the roses. Yeah, they're pretty bland comparatively. Yes. So you're based out of cities. Yep. What type of weddings do you typically do? So last year I did about 60 weddings. I do actually a lot of... 60? 60, yeah. There's only 52 weeks in a year, Jenny. Uh, I had four or five one weekend and like three. Just making sure you knew that there was only 52 weeks in a year. I've done nine weddings in a weekend before. Okay. Yeah, when I was younger and more adventurous and didn't have children. I love to do, you know, any type of wedding that I'm doing more than just the bouquets or like really core things because that's when you make more money. 
especially when you have like floral installations, that is a way to have a higher price wedding fast. And you're probably like, what's an installation? Some people are wondering. And those are really fun moments, I call them, in a wedding that there's a high concentration of flowers that are really like a pop or a wow factor for people to soak up when they come in. So at my wedding, I had five different installations. So I had my ceremony installation, which was this really cool wheel on the wall that we decorated. We had a cake installation, which had an arch behind the cake and flowers. We had a hanging installation over our couch. We had a hanging installation over our head table. So they're really like a, a heavy focus, a lot of times hanging something from the ceiling, but those get pricey. And a lot of that is done on site. And so they're you know shorter labor, you're not messing with it all week and you're just making this thing, it's a bit more complicated, but they command higher price points. Would you say, I'm, and literally, I've never made one, I've never seen mm -hmm. one made, so I'm, I'm asking from total curiosity. Is there a lot of, not waste, I hate using the word waste, because if you listen to the podcast and whatever, but mm -hmm. you, know, you have to look at flowers as a medium. Like it's yep. paint for a painting, it's frosting for a cake is it's a medium it's you know there yeah. you can't look at every single flower as a living thing but maybe if one's not going right at the install you've got a so do you have to budget for that or how do you so I uh, normally installations you take and I actually have a, a really interesting formula for pricing on um, installations because I do a lot of cultural weddings so I do a lot of like Hindu Muslim um, Sikh all these different mainly like South Asian area um, type weddings here in Minneapolis. I work with a decorator that provides like the beautiful structures and the backdrops because they go usually all out. But they also, with that all out, things are more complicated. Um, the surface area that we're covering usually is a lot more. And a lot of those types of installations I actually do here in the studio because like you, I'm a mom and I want to get there on wedding day and I want to get out. So I do everything to optimize my time on that day. And so I price those things out usually square foot. So if I have, let's just say this beautiful arch or mundup or a hoopah even to decorate, I'm counting how many feet across and how many feet down. And then I'm figuring out how many flowers do I need for that like little part. And then I'm taking that part going, let's just say I want like two dahlias in there and I want some greenery and I want some delphinium or I want lisianthus. And I'm taking all those things that go in that one square foot and timesing it by my markup. Most florists are at a three to four times markup um, from their wholesale price. And then I'm adding any supplies. So like if you use foam or if you use chicken wire, then I'm adding and then doubling my supply cost. And then I'm taking that number and I'm adding my labor percentage. Installations normally have a higher labor percentage, sometimes 30, 40%. General designs usually around like 20 to 25. Some floors are around 30, depending on your skill level. So if I have one square foot costing $125 with my labor fee included, my flowers included, and my supplies, I take that times my total square footage of my insulation. So if I have an arch that's five feet up and five feet across and one foot wide, I have 10 square feet that I need to cover. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But it's an easier way because a lot of florists, they will spend hours pricing an installation out, then they spend hours figuring out what to order for it. Mm -hmm. And I figure out one square foot and then how much space 
is in the rest of it. That makes so much sense. With what I do, I I mean, I do some arrangements, but for the most part, I say mm -hmm. I sell bouquets, not arrangements. And yeah. so it's it's just a So then totally you're just doing your total stem count, yep. and then you're if you're charging for your paper or any mm -hmm. of your supplies, or if you use EcoFresh wraps, yep. whatever, you're, you're pricing that. It's similar, it's just a lot bigger. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, making these outside you're making them in the heat I have like, made what? them some of them I've made outside so there's a couple different ways you want to make sure that your installations are going to look good especially for later in the day because mm -hmm. a lot of times they will have their ceremony especially like in the Hindu culture it seems like 10 a.m. is an auspicious time to have a ceremony so then you need to get your booty there at six o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock to set all these things up but then they're often wanting to reuse them as part of a backdrop or whatever for their reception that starts at five. So you need to make sure that it's going to look good all day. So things I do, for one, I make sure I spray everything down. I have a Menard style sprayer because flowers, after they're picked, love to drink from the outside petals as well as through their stem. And so I take my, my sprayer with water in it and I, soak on a fine mist all of my installation whether it's foam or foam free and I'm using chicken wire. I still use foam a lot of florists don't I think that there's plus and minuses obviously to that whole thing but when I'm not using actual flower foam and I want to use an alternative because someone wants their wedding to be more sustainable there's a new product called fiber floral and it's a volcanic ash that function similar to flower foam that I put in all of my um, foam cages or in my containers for centerpieces or anything like that. Most flower farms that I run into are not big fans of flower foam, so I use that as an alternative when I need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, that could be a whole other episode. Yes, I've, I've done a lot of reading and asking people about it and I don't know. I wonder if it's really as, as evil as they well, make it seem or how biodegradable it is or at what point. I think I most of them after like 500 days. But anyway. <laughs> we don't well, I also like that. there's a chemical that in flower foam that gets in your body. And actually that happened to me. Yeah. Um, I did a whole episode on my podcast about how flowers made me sick, mm -hmm. um, especially imported flowers. I went in and I just wasn't feeling good. I found heavy amounts of pesticides and herbicides in my body, almost to a toxic level, because I bring these flowers from Ecuador in here and these flowers from Chile and Holland, and they have so many chemicals. But I also had a high amount of gasoline um, product. It's like some weird, really long name that's in flower foam. So for my extended exposure mm -hmm. and also mold, wow. when you stick your head in your cooler, there's mold in there and mm -hmm. I was just soaking that up. So there's, there's health drawbacks, but also I think there's environment drawbacks. Mm -hmm. And so I try to be as sustainable as I can. I make sure that I'm composting and I go to Gertens with a whole van load of stuff after a wedding. But I also try to repurpose and give them a second life at, with companies like here in Minneapolis and like Bluebirds and Blooms. Mm -hmm. They will come and just take everything out of my cooler after a wedding tear down and then they repurpose it to, you know, nursing homes and memory care oh, units. That's awesome. So I try to give the flowers a second life so they don't just go into the compost and just also spread a little more joy. Yeah. Course. And I I will tell you last weekend I did flowers for a gala in Sioux Falls, one of my really good friends. There were eight hundred and fifty people there. They raised oh two hundred and 
it was $240,000 for his foundation, his nonprofit. And I, I borrowed, I won't even say I rented because they let me use it for free because they were so sweet at Jane Ray events in Sioux Falls. And my friend that I had with me, she's also a flower farmer by Jackson, Minnesota. And we both were like my looking around in Jackson, and Minnesota. Oh, really? I actually know where Jackson, Minnesota <laughs> That's is. That's only about an hour from where I grew up. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we're both looking around because I mean, literally my compost pile is the size of your garage. I imagine. At my farm. Yeah. And people are like, how do you stir it? I'm like with the skid steer and the yep. snow bucket. Yep. <laughs> like, and so those little, those things that I take for granted at how easy it is for to, you. Yeah. you know, just just go and yeah, make a pile. Just go make a compost pile. No. Do my own pile. I don't need any. I had flies yeah. in my car for two weeks after my last run because they were like, I don't want to go outside because it was too cold. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had my whole, I have just a minivan. It was, I think I had nine containers and you pay per container at curtains. Yeah. It, so it only cost me like $8. Yeah. But still, I had to run all the way down there. So you're very lucky yes. that you have a compost pile. Yes, I take that. I mean, other I take that pile can, of shit for granted. Well, in other and it's got chicken poop throw in it. Away. Yeah. They just yeah. they throw I know, it away, and, and, and I just don't. That's exactly what they did. I'm like, yeah. what do you mean you're not re like? No. This is my fertilizer for next year. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and I am going to tell you all about my other podcast, Bloom and Grow with Liz Fiddler. In the early days of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast, we had bonus Bloom and Grow episodes where I shared some personal insights in my experience with love and loss and grief, and ultimately, we decided it needed its own podcast. So you can click the link in the episode, this very episode, and hit the subscribe button so that you get alerts when new episodes come out. The Bloom and Grow podcast with Liz Fiddler is where we share stories of those who have grown through grief and break down barriers that isolate us in those challenging parts of our lives. We know that time doesn't heal, but intention does, and the weight of grief doesn't get any lighter, but we can get better at carrying it. This podcast isn't just for those going through something sad or difficult, but also for those who know someone who is by sharing tips and perspectives in how to be a better support for your loved ones that are grieving. If you're interested in hearing more, click the link in this episode's notes so that you can subscribe and check it out. And thank you so much for blooming and growing with us. Let's talk about, because the majority of the listeners on my podcast are those like growing flowers for a wedding, growing flowers for an event, or trying to sell flowers to someone like you. Yep. So it is December. I don't know when this episode's going to come out. Probably sometime in January. I got to look at my schedule, but... But it's planning it's, time. It's planning time. So what are you looking for next summer? So right now, I currently purchase from two different independent flower farmers, one actually from way up in Starbucks, Minnesota, that drives down. And then I purchase from TCFE, which is Twin City Floral Exchange, and they aggregate different flower farmers in there. So I have, each one has their own strong point, and I do love dealing directly with um, Molly from Northerly Flora, because for one, she's very close by, so I think proximity especially when you have that much land is harder mm-hmm. and she has a little like urban that's in Minneapolis but then she's got land out in um, Hudson as well so she can scale but I look for things that are more wedding worthy that are on trend but also classic bridal 
So I buy a lot of lisianthus. I actually grow lisianthus from plugs because it's painful yep, to grow yep. it from plugs, seeds. Plugs. Plugs. Uh, I grow a lot of dahlias. I buy a lot of dahlias still because I'll have a wedding that I'll need 75 of them. And I don't have enough space because I think I have about 250 plants. I don't have enough space to, to just grow like 50 uh, of the you know, white variety or whatever that I need that week. Mm -hmm. Color right now is really popular. So I've ran into... And I'm so glad. <laughs> I am so glad too because I, so I was glad. so sick of white, yeah, I was so sick green, of white. Yep. and blush that I wanted to poke my eyeballs out. Mm -hmm. So of course white, you're always going to be a pretty safe bet to grow white ball dahlias, especially white Lizzie. Almost every week, Molly is sold out and TCFE is often sold out, especially of white dahlias. So I think foundationally, those two flowers are heavily used in wedding work. I also think like color, of course, dahlias. I see ball dahlias really emerging right now. So, you know, and they last so they much last longer. So much longer. They hold up better. They hold up better mm -hmm. in bouquet work. They're not getting bruised in your cooler because when you are shoving a bunch of things in your cooler, things are naturally going to get bumped. Mm -hmm. And ball dahlias just really help protect mm -hmm. that that you know damage because you can't put a damaged dahlia in a bouquet. No. Nope. Even if you spent five dollars on it, it's just you you have to have pristine flowers. I normally pick all of those flowers out when I get them yep. at the beginning of the week. I have two coolers, which is really helpful. A lot of florists that are especially studio florists, they don't have coolers. Mm -hmm. So they're picking things up Thursday or even Fridays sometimes. I pick my flowers up because of my coolers on usually Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. So I need to make sure it's good till then. Mm -hmm. But I also, I, I do love how TCFE, they kind of put theirs in color blocks, yeah. which really makes that interesting to be able to go in and just have a color palette that you're working with. Because flowers are this moving target that we don't know with the heat. We've had weird weather here in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. The flower farming, I think, has changed in the last two years dramatically. I know my dahlia growing has changed dramatically because my flowers were almost four weeks late this year yep. than they normally were. And I started early. Yep. So you can't depend on certain things. Mm -hmm. And so I also, I position everything to my clients that I'm dealing with that I am going to get you the best possible flowers that are available that week. Mm -hmm. And that could be me ordering from a flower auction in Holland. That could be me sourcing something else, but I dedicate at least 20% of every wedding budget during growing season here in Minnesota to buying locally grown. I call that my fun money and I call finding unicorn flowers to my clients. I'll say, you know, I might find this unicorn flower, like mock orange to me is a unicorn flower mm -hmm. because it has this much growing season, but it is amazing, beautiful, smells like it makes a wedding if you can get it. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that I have that flexibility to, and the autonomy just to make good choices and have fun. I don't want to do weddings that aren't fun. I know a lot of florists, nope. <laughs> a lot of florists do though. It's yeah. really sad. They just think that, and that was me. I thought I had to do every wedding that came my way. I thought I had to get everybody a deal on it because I just wanted to build my business. 
so many decisions that I mm -hmm. didn't need to make. I did because I wasn't confident in mm -hmm. going out there and charging my worth and doing what I want. Mm -hmm. And now I flat out tell people when they show me this roundy, moundy bouquet, that that's just not my style. And I don't want your pictures to look dated in five years because mm -hmm. that's not been on trend since the 80s. Exactly. And I think that, you know, when I went to the workshop that you put on, and we can talk about that in a minute, mm -hmm. um, my goal of that was honestly to just kind of see, I knew I was going to learn some things out of it. I knew, um, I did the flowers for a wedding for my really good friend in September. She asked, I was like, yeah, it'll be fun. And we had so much fun doing it because yeah. I have about a hundred subscription holders every week Whoa. for my flowers. And then about, I don't know, I sell between two and 300 bouquets a week from the beginning of May through frost. And of those, That's fascinating. it is very fascinating. <laughs> and I probably only have 500 customers. Okay. So it's so many repeat customers. So many of them I've gotten to really know. And they're like, I want you to do flowers for my daughter's wedding, my yeah. sister's wedding, whatever. And those are the customers that I want because they know me. They know my style. They know what flowers I already have. They know mm -hmm. my subscriptions. They have come to my U-Picks. Yeah. They know exactly what they're getting. And that's what they're wanting. Um, and so I just, I wanted, you know, some more, just better techniques to make a hand-tied bouquet, whatever it might be. I don't want to, you know... Like I said, I want the weddings that you don't necessarily, I don't want to say yeah. that you don't want them, but yeah. kind of, I mean, because that's, that's a good reasonable based on what I'm already doing. You and I both really enjoy the business side of mm -hmm. flowers. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it, you know, you could say I sell food. Okay. Well, do you have a food truck? Are you a restaurant? Are you yes. a grocery store? We both sell flowers. But, but, drastically yes, different. but drastically different things. And I do do a la carte flowers, which yep. is something that I see a lot of flower farmers that, I mean, for one, doing a big wedding is sometimes like just nerve wracking, especially mm -hmm. like you're out in the dirt and not, not like living in that space of like wanting to do huge elaborates because you have to be out there picking and you have mm -hmm. to be out there watering. You just, it's mm -hmm. so intensive that I see a la carte flowers giving you the flexibility to do that, make some additional revenue for your business, but also get confident mm -hmm. and my a la carte program is so I can actually a lot of times just use flowers that I'm growing, which is really nice is I just have preset color palettes and then preset items within those color palettes. So popular items like a low compote bowl, so a low like footed stem bowl, a bridal bouquet, a bridesmaid bouquet, a flower girl bouquet, a boutonniere and a corsage, and then maybe a vase arrangement. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yep. So those core items you could really perfect and practice mm -hmm. with, especially like you have extra flowers this week, like dedicate a little bit of time to working on that, mm -hmm. making a bouquet, having Instagram content, having, you know, just content in general, showing that you are not only using your flowers, you're designing. And then you give people opportunities that are less stressful for you because this is what it is. Yep. You don't go to Target and ask them to change the color of the item or to put specific things in that box. Mm -hmm. You, This is what you get. I choose the flowers that are best suited in this color palette. And you can give examples or you can even make a, a little flat lay, like here's the white flowers that I had in June. Mm -hmm. Or here's the purple or pink or my, I think usually like just doing a colorful one, like wildflower flower theme often seems to work doing a fall colored theme doing a white doing like a dark and moody which mm -hmm. you know like dark purples ball dahlias and burgundies mm -hmm. um those are like really kind of universal color palettes 
And if you want, like somebody can do maybe a white plus one color. So they want to have a pop of pink yep. or they want to have a pop of red. Simplify it. It's all shoppable on my mm -hmm. website, which if you have an online mm -hmm. portal that people can buy things, it's like Amazon. They can just, you know, click shop and buy it yep. and then pick it up at your studio. Or if it's within 20 minutes, I'll drop it off. But it's like $100 for me to get in my car yep. and drive over there. Yep. And that's what I've... Um, come to decide is yep that delivery fee or whatever but yeah. I think you know for me it's that diversification of okay what am I currently doing with my flower farm mm -hmm. what current products do I offer and how can I keep it pretty similar mm -hmm. without you having know, to do a bunch of you know yeah. re redo it and so yeah I think um, yeah so my biggest reason for wanting to go to your course was not necessarily to learn how to put these proposals together, but yeah. if this is a room full of my ideal potentially customer. ideal customer that's buying flowers from me, I mean, I didn't go there to like network and meet people to buy from me. I mean, that would have been great if any of yeah. you were there and you're in the St. Joe area, check me out. But I just want to know what they know because yeah. understanding your customer okay let's let's see what they are looking for what yep. are they wanting to do so I think for me I want something that's a little bit easier I have worked with a couple flower farmers that just like it felt like they were kind of flying by the seat of their pants so I didn't know if I would would order from them like I just want somebody to be honest, like, is this in the chance in hell department that this is happening? Yeah, exactly. Or does this seem realistic? Because if it's not realistic, it, you know, even if mm -hmm. you're busy, that like communication needs yep. to be there. So that's one thing that I think is important, mm -hmm. especially if you are trying to attract newer florists. I have had so many because I head up the Minnesota Floral Collective, people reaching out to me going, I really need these dahlias and like nobody's responding to me. And I, I want them to have compassion mm -hmm. because like they don't understand. I understand because like I was out digging tubers and I was out watering and planting. Like unless they do that, their frame of reference is, is just not there. Yep. Which is sad because I think every florist at some point should grow to understand. I had no idea Lysianthus took nine months. I took it for granted mm -hmm. that these things are not as much work as they, they are. Yep. They are a lot of work and that I I give somebody some, you know, grace, like, hey, I totally get you're busy, but I really need to know, otherwise I need to try to source elsewhere. Yep. So communication I think is really good. Also having photos. Um, one of the flower farmers I buy from does a great job with having a it's an online, like almost a Google sheet ordering mm -hmm. system, but you can go in and look at flowers. Not everybody knows what a Sahara Rubicchia is, or not everybody knows what a Voyage Lysianthus is, mm -hmm. you know, what the petals are like. And so that florist doesn't show up and is like, oh, mm -hmm. like single and double mock orange, mm -hmm. drastically different flowers. So having that just descriptive or references, I think, as a flower farmer is really helpful to very visually driven people. Yeah, and I, so I just implemented this on my website for next year, and I've reached out to a few area florists, but, um, so my friend Taylor from mm -hmm. Wild Time that yeah. came to your workshop, she bought quite a few flowers from me over the summer, and we got to know each other pretty well. She'd just text me, tell me what she needs, and then she knew to send me a backup list. 
She's like, I want, yeah. you know, white ball dahlias. And if you can't, then I'll take whatever. And she's been out to my flower field. She knows what I have. Yep. So she actually helped me create this new process that I have going into this year. So I'm just outside of St. Joe, Minnesota. So if any of your listeners are listening and they want flowers, so I have a contact form on my website and it's wholesale slash DIY. And on there I say, do you have a tax ID number and are you wholesale? And they have to say yes or no because the prices are going to be different. Right. They should. I am not going to sell because I don't I don't want should exactly exactly discount. and yeah. so and it and it just I don't want to trash the industry. I don't want to yeah. become this cheap place for DIY brides. Like that's just right. that's not that's not the right thing to do and I'm not gonna do it. But I'm gonna sell everything in ten stem bunches and I'm going to now have I need to get my now that I have everything ordered, I have all my plugs, I know, you know, how many dahlias I have, I know whatever, and so I'll kind of know okay, this is what I should have in May. This is what I should have in June. I will have an entire tunnel of ranunculus. I will have an entire mm. tunnel of lisianthus. I do a ton of tulips. You know, it's people are kind of weird in May. Tulips are not always a flower. People like, I have a thousand peonies that are not oh. going to be ready until next year. Mm. So, but I'm excited for that. But yes. I'm going to sell, you know, people go on there and then they fill out the form and they can fill it out now. And so, so if any flower farmers are listening, I'm gonna put the link on here. If anyone wants to buy flowers from me, go for it. But otherwise, just just look at that and see if this is something you can easily implement on your yeah. website. But you know, so say you know that you know for 2025, like you're gonna need peonies, and you know it's an hour and a half to my house. It's not that yeah. far, and you're like, no, I need 300 peonies or something because yeah. I have a cooler. And so I will, I will, I'm hoping to have a ton of peonies yeah. to sell wholesale. And so. My Start goal is advertising exactly, that, and like, so I'm I'm just starting to now. Like I I'm finally like okay, we got it all organized. But I want people to fill it out now for their weddings next summer, so I yeah. can know, so I can count on it. Because I I bought, you know, eighteen hundred lisianthus plugs. Okay, like I that's know what. A lot. Yep, and you know the Roseanne Brown, and you know I've got all the, a lot of apricots, and you know Taylor went through the list with me on colors, and you know. And another thing that I mean, I have a relationship with with one of the flower farmers that's pretty well, like you should be able to talk to the florist too. Like she was severely undercharging mm -hmm. compared to the wholesaler mm -hmm. and her product was so much nicer. Yep. And so if you build relationships, ask them, he like, hey, if you went and bought this at the wholesaler, like what would this cost? Exactly. Because she was almost $15 a bunch under. Yep. What it would, the crappy imported exactly stuff and it wasn't until I started supplementing with wholesale in the off season until yeah. I realized how severely I was undercharging so my little brother mm -hmm. is 15 years younger than me so he had prom last year he was a senior oh, yeah. and so I did the prom flowers and I just because his girlfriend's so sweet I made this huge bouquet for her mm -hmm. I ordered these white lisianthus mm -hmm. in April and oh my god I was so disappointed I'm like what is this? There's one, like this initial bud is supposed to be disbudded and these are like, huh. they don't. What is this? And also <laughs> it depends on where you get it because yep. um, it, from Israel, like Lysianthus is really nice. From Canada, not so good. So mm -hmm. like where that wholesaler is importing it for, I feel that I get more consistent product based on bloom size, based on so many things when I order them from a flower farmer versus the wholesaler. Mm -hmm. Like half the time, because I'm not going to give you crap. I'm I not going to give you a single stem of crap. Like I, I just won't. Because yeah, yep, I just won't. And but that is yep. not the case. With but the that doesn't mean I should discount it. That doesn't mean right. I should. You know. So it's knowing yeah. your pricing, knowing, and like I said, it just, I so I, 
I teach this in my course, Peddling Perishable Products, and don't be the cheapest. Don't be the cheapest, because it might no. work. It might work for one season. It might work for two seasons. But if they leave you for the cheaper, if they leave someone else to come to you because you're the cheapest, they're going to leave you for the next cheapest. And you're right. not going to, you're not going to be able to afford to stay in business. Like I, yeah. I cannot afford to stay in business if I don't charge properly. And Industry you, standards exist for a reason. Yes, they do. And yep. if you do like a great job, I think you can almost start to bump budget from the wholesaler your way. I mean, I know with one of the main flower farmers I buy from, like there were weeks I spent $1,200 with mm-hmm. her. I mean, because I had 20 some thousand dollars of, of weddings or I had whatever. So like if you start to really serve them and provide good product mm-hmm. and competitive, but not, doesn't have to be the cheapest, just competitive. I, I mean, that's going to be a win mm-hmm. for you because that service, I know that I can text her. I know that 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 communication mm-hmm. is easy. I know she's going to get back to me because I spend a lot of money with her. Yep. And that that's a relationship that flower farmers want. Like yes. they want someone like me that's, mm-hmm. you know, doing a lot. And I also think one of the things that I really notice coaching newer florists and seeing um, newer florists come to the different areas is that they don't understand that their $100 order, that seems really big to them. Yeah. So it's hard to allocate time to those $100 orders, but I started out as a $100 order. You never know where there's gonna be a florist that all of a sudden like is hitting it big or is starting to just grow exponentially and they're your next $5,000 a month account or Mm $2,500 a month account, even though they're buying $100 of dahlias this week, next year this could be a different story and I think that's hard when you're looking at like net effort that this doesn't seem like a great expenditure of time but I've seen florists like blow up overnight mm-hmm. that I'm like they're coming the next year and it's year. a repeat customer and it's a repeat customer so like that investment and if you don't have time to manage that get the help because there are a lot of people that would love to soak up that whole experience and take something off your plate so that you are the face of your business and you can grow it. Mm-hmm. No, and I think, you know, it's all like trial and error, figuring out what you wanna do. And I I feel like anyone that's listening was like, I don't know, some of my, it's funny because a few people have said, when I'm like, yeah, we're starting to do more weddings. Like my goal is two a month. Yeah. And well, for worried. May through September, well, the ones that, that hear me talk when I say it, but the ones that are going with me, they're the ones that really, know me and I'm like no I want I want to do a couple a month because it's good because it's experience it's good experience and it's fun and I want to keep it fun and I know myself and I want to keep it fun and we had so much fun doing those couple weddings and then the weddings that I'm doing now for like my current subscription holders I am going to make them so happy and they are going to have so much fun and I'm going to have so much fun but I'm not going to get burnt out out of it and who knows and maybe I will turn that into you know something bigger with the business but it's just I also think it's okay to to not do that know, to not do that and not yeah. cannonball in and but just... a lot of power farmers worry if they're I mean I I coached one from Iowa and she was worried if she started doing weddings that her wholesale clients would stop buying from her and I was like well I think that's a limiting belief because mm-hmm. they're gonna buy from somebody else mm-hmm. and if you position it as that like hey I'm just doing smaller a la carte weddings mm-hmm. a lot of times that's not a wedding that a florist wants to be doing because of minimums. I do a la carte weddings because I mean, for one, it was like an extra $8,500 of revenue this year. 
but I also do it because I have stuff in my backyard mm -hmm. because I have Trader Joe's really close by mm -hmm. and I'm only 20 minutes from a wholesaler mm -hmm. if I do need to run and get something. Mm -hmm. If I was in the middle of Iowa and there was a wholesaler three and a half hours away, like then I wouldn't probably be doing that. So exactly. you gotta make sure it's worth your time but also don't worry, like there's competition and that's completely healthy. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to play in their sandbox. Mm -hmm. Your sandboxes are completely different. You know, I just think learning from each other, knowing what mm -hmm. each other wants, just being mutually respectful. I did like DIY weddings, a couple mm -hmm. of them last year, and they were so much work, mm -hmm. so much. I actually had someone in September I agreed to do her wedding and then it kind of turned into this, it ended up beautiful and it was great, but it was like, it was a complete, I think, misunderstanding of expectations. Mm. You know, she's like, well, this is my budget. We want to do the flowers ourselves. And I'm like, okay, well, I will give you this many dollars worth of flowers then. Yes. And I was going to charge, I basically did, you know, and I talk about this in my peddling course, exactly how I price, but like. You know, how, how do you know what it's worth? Because I grew them myself. You know, people are like, well, I know. well that doesn't like, mean that you exactly, charge less. Exactly. No, and so I, I, I take the wholesale, but then I, I mark it up even more because she's not, she doesn't right. have a wholesale license. She doesn't have, you know, but then it turned into, okay, and this is going to be enough for this many mason jars and this many this. And that's where I had to say, nope, because what I can do with 10 stems will take a customer 20 stems. Right. Because I know how to arrange Range them. them exactly perfectly to make them look you know volume and yep. and that's what I've learned you know in my stem bars or my u-picks when people do them themselves I'm like you have the right ingredients the reason it looks like that is because you don't know how to arrange them and that's okay and that comes from years and years of experience but that's the problem I think with, mason like, jars are complicated yes. for yep. DIY and like bud vases way easier yep exactly and so that's where it comes with you know when people want to buy buckets of flowers I'm like well I will give you that dollar amount worth of flowers but I say I give you I, stems yep I tell them yep. this many stems because yep. then I can say you use one to three stems plus one thing of filler or one mm -hmm. thing of greenery and so yep. you're also giving them a baby recipe mm -hmm. yep. and making it easier because yep. otherwise they will just start clustering tons of flowers in one mm -hmm. because they they don't want to let down the bride well yep. you're gonna let her down because she's only gonna have half of them done yep exactly exactly and yeah. yeah it's just it's way more challenging and it's kind of like I mean I'm not saying that what I do is similar to you know building a house or whatever but I'm like it, it's materials it's knowing yeah. what to do with them yep so yeah I think there's definitely this huge movement for local flowers. Obviously, people like me selling to people like you that do mm -hmm. them. And yeah. yeah. What is your favorite local flower to use? Ball dahlias. Ball dahlias. Hands down. But I mean, Lysianthus is a close second. But I think this is completely underrated, and you should grow this, is Love at a Puff Vine. Never heard of it. It is my favorite vine. I grow it. I actually, if you, do you know who Holly Chapel is? She's mm -hmm. a, yep. So I went out to Flower Stock. It's like, Woodstock for flower hippies mm -hmm. at her farm and she had the designers using this love and a puff vine and I'm like what is this and it's this dainty kind of a lighter green but it's got these little pods on them okay and in those pods there is a seed with a heart on it like mother nature put a seed with a bona fide heart on it so Aww. that's why it's love and a puff and I just grow that in pots vining up trellises and I love going out there I've also bought it from TCFE but it is so beautiful 
I save all my seed pods yeah. after they dry, and so I have my seeds for next mm -hmm. year. But it's my favorite vine. I think vines are very yep. in and have been in because it's that airy, bouncy feel that a lot of designers are trying to do with like the bouquet jiggle. Yep. Those those jiggle very well, and so I, that's probably my favorite like off the out of the mm -hmm. box flower. And yeah. very easy. I just Love plunk them in pots. Okay. And it just, it Good goes. Yeah, Taylor's got me growing jewels of Opar. I love jewels of Opar as she, well, but I, it yeah. is painful to grow yes. as well. Yes, so we'll my... see. I bought some plugs. Oh, good. Yeah. They, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I tried yeah. twice. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, so we'll see. I would we'll not, see. not we'll buy see. plugs. Yeah, no, I, I only buy plugs for everything. I mean, and I it's know. also called Tallium, which I yes. think is so yes. weird that everything yes. has, has double names. All right. Well, where can we find you on Instagram? And this is head to the episode notes. It's all there. But Jenny, where can we find your podcast, The Floral yeah. Hustle? Yep. So I have my podcast on every major podcast player. So you can find an Apple, Spotify. It's The Floral Hustle. If you are wanting to get into like really understanding, you know, just flowers in general from a florist perspective, I also have a Facebook group. And in there, I every week for the next like three weeks and the recordings are in there, I'm doing a live training. It's like an hour long talking about like pricing, talking about how to sell to clients, how to be a mom and an entrepreneur because that is a craft. I mean, so different topics. So you can join the Floral Hustle Facebook group. And then I'm on Instagram at the Floral Hustle. If you go to my website, I also have a ton of freebies. I have one about pricing. I have one about social media, which are just great, like understanding like how to make this easier and more executable if you want to integrate those things in your business. Sounds good. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. And thank you, Jenny, for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Sunny Mary Meadow. Subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymarymeadow.com. And if you have questions or comments or anything to say, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com. Flowers, flowers, we love flowers. Sunny Mary Meadow, they smell so good. SunnyMaryMeadow.com